Hello, and welcome to the New Discourses podcast. This is James Lindsay, and I am going to start tying a bow up for you. I'm going to start explaining a little bit of the kind of bigger picture around wokeness. This is just one aspect of a bigger picture. Don't worry, I'm not going to turn into a conspiracy theory. That's not the goal here. Um, But I do want to communicate something to you that I've said before, and I kind of want to draw it out a little bit. I want to make it clear what's going on. Uh, I've said before, for example, that critical theory is a totalizing ideology. I wrote in my essay about psychopathy and the origins of totalitarianism that the critical theory ideology is totalizing. In other words, its objective is to take over every aspect of life. I've also made the argument, for example, on Twitter, and this is kind of a funny little argument that I was making, that I could create the critical theory of anything by taking any existing critical theory and then just changing out the domain-specific jargon. So I could take a critical theory, say, you know, I could dip into, you know, I I at one point did a review of critical nutrition studies. Of course, there has to be a critical theory of nutrition studies. So I could take critical nutrition studies, lay out the, the basic structure of how they made their argument, and let's say I wanted to make a critical theory of math education. So what I have to do now is I take out the domain-specific terminology around nutrition studies, substitute in the domain-specific terminology for math education, and any stories that I tell that are specific to nutrition, I then pick one out of math education. Any detail I give about the way that, say, nutritionists from particular backgrounds are ignored, I take that out and I say that, that students of particular backgrounds are underserved. And otherwise, everything's the same. Everything's the same. There's a there's a Latin phrase for this I used to use a lot when I was doing mathematics, which is mutatis mutandis. So, you know, change out X for Y, mutatis mutandis. Make all the necessary changes that you would naturally make as a consequence of doing this substitution, and you get this. So what I'm saying is that I observed that I could make, or anybody could make, critical theories are very easy to make. This is very kind of low IQ activity, to be honest with you. You take any existing critical theory, change out the domain-specific terminology, and then you end up with another critical theory. Okay, so all you have to do is exchange the details. And this is a bigger point than you may realize. This is a bigger point than you may realize. Because this can be done, I'm not kidding, this can be done for anything. Okay, so we can start with, say, you know, critical nutrition studies and then make a critical math education program. But it could be done for biology, it could be done for chemistry, it could be done for religion, it could be done for your workplace, it could be done for Judaism, it could be done for um, government policy or whatever. You could have a critical theory or critical application of anything you want and they all follow the same roadmap. They all in fact say the same thing. Now this is a very important point because this kind of tells you where things are going what the goal of woke is in some sense. And I've made this point before as well. It's to get everything serving critical theory. The goal is to get everything to serve theory. You know, I did that podcast where I read Mapping the Margins by Kimberly Crenshaw not that long ago here on the New Discourses podcast. And I said that it was like forging the one ring. My friend Mike Nana, filmmaker, many of you will know who he is if you followed me for any amount of time, has made the point that he observed what got him involved in taking this on was that he observed that all the stories in the world were being designed to serve something. And he realized that something, when he ran into our work, 
was theory. And that's what got him interested in communicating with us and building a film around the work that we did in the Grievance Studies Affair, was that he noticed in his own filmmaking work that all the stories being told were serving some bigger thing, and that thing was theory. And that's the really, in a sense, you know, approximate goal of the woke movement is to get everything to serve theory. And I've made this point in a variety of ways. One way I've made this is that if your company, for example, decides to bring in a diversity trainer and it's going to go anti-racist and you're going to have your anti-racist company now, here's what's going to happen. If it has full goal, then I said your company, it could be your church, it could be your government agency, it could be the military, it could be your school, it could be anything you want it to be. It could be your rock climbing club. It doesn't matter. The goal is going to be to turn that thing into serving theory. Okay. And what's going to happen if you bring that in is some, and then an increasing amount of resources, some at first, and then an increasing amount of resources are going to have to be devoted to critical theory because critical theory views any resources that are being used in any entity that it has infected or any entity that exists that are not being used in the service of theory are resources that are being misused, or even worse, resources that are dedicated to upholding the existing status quo, which is filled with all of its oppressions and evils. There is not, I've said before many times, that there's no possibility of compromise with critical theory because it sees every inch of compromise as an inch of remaining status quo, of accepting a remaining status quo. So you can't compromise with it. Well, this is the same idea. Every ounce of resources, say that you have a company dedicated to, I don't know, um, building widgets. That's the old joke, right? So it builds widgets. Every ounce of energy that your company puts into building widgets is an ounce of energy that it doesn't put into doing critical race theory or critical other critical theories, the not serving theory. And that's intolerable because it upholds the capitalist status quo or the whatever status quo or the oppressive status quo or the racist status quo, white supremacist status quo, the patriarchal status quo, whatever status quo it upholds. Every ounce of resources in your entity, your affinity, your club, your church, your business, your institution, your school, your your government agency, every single bit of it that's not serving critical theory is not only a wasted resource, but a misdirected resource that's upholding the evil in the world that critical theory is designed to spot, call out, and always constantly correct. Remember, you can read in their own book that it is always, that's put in bold, thinking the book is everyone really equal by Azam Sensoy and Robin D'Angelo. It is always the obligation of people who have positions of privilege or power to disrupt systems of oppression anywhere they identify them. So the goal of anything that becomes a critical theory is to just propagate more critical theory. Any resource, I literally mean it too. If your widget company isn't devoting 100% of its resources to pushing out critical theory, with widgets maybe somehow becoming the uh, domain-specific jargon upon which they are, maybe you still are making widgets, but you're printing critical theory messages on the box or you're putting it on the on the on the product itself or it's in all the commercials or eventually you know every ounce of activity has to head toward critical theory because every story every action every activity has to head toward holding up and expressing critical theory and i want to tie those ideas together that we've just discussed that critical theory only tells one story in different words depending on which affinity group hobby institution church um, career, profession, academic subject, it doesn't matter. It all tells the same story every single time. What do I mean? The critical, again, a critical theory of nutrition is identical to a critical theory of biology. 
except the domain-specific terms of change is identical to a critical theory of chemistry, except the domain-specific terms of change is, is identical to a critical theory of Jesus, except the domain-specific terms have changed. So you have, and this is an exquisite point, I really want to draw this out, pay attention for a second, very important to realize, whereas biology and chemistry, for example, are very different subjects, or you could say Christianity and medicine are very different domains of thought, or rock climbing and uh, government policy are two very different worlds. They're all very different. They all have their own characteristic. They all do their own thing. They're very different things. A critical theory of biology, a critical theory of chemistry, a critical theory of a rock climbing organization or rock climbing itself, a critical theory of a government policy institution, a, a critical theory of math education or whatever the other medicine, whatever the other things I said, a critical theory of, of, of are all the same. They're all the same. Thematically, they're identical. All that's changed is the domain-specific jargon. None of the underlying theme has changed, only the window dressing. So when you have critical theory come in and infect biology, over time, your biology department is no longer doing, or your biology lab is no longer doing biology. It's no longer biology. It's critical theory dressed in biology clothes. Your chemistry department's no longer doing chemistry. Your chemi chemistry lab's no longer doing chemistry. It's critical theory dressed in chemist clothes. Your church is no longer teaching the gospel. It is critical theory dressed in Jesus's robes. Your hospital, your medical school, is no longer teaching or practicing medicine. It's doing critical theory wearing a white lab coat or scrubs. This is so important to understand because what it's creating is one way to view the world. I said, you know, the Kimberly Crenshaw, you know, <laughs> kind of ring of power, one ring to rule them all. Well, here what it's doing is creating one way to view the world, which is the critical theory way to view the world. And it's imposing it into every single possible domain, every affinity, every church, every, every profession, every subject, everything. Creating one way to think about everything everywhere. That's like, you, you think about a religion that's like way beyond a religion, right? That is, when I said in my article about psychopathy and the origins of totalitarianism, that is the totalizing aspect. This is literally totalizing. Its goal is to turn every domain-specific activity into reproducing itself. Now, this is actually a purposed agenda. Okay, so I've talked before. I did a podcast here on the New Discourses podcast about Antonio Gramsci. So Antonio Gramsci, just to very briefly review was an Albanian-Italian Marxist. He was actually, at first, he believed that the Italian workers' parties would unify under Marxist theories, that they would form a proletariat, they would form a revolution. And then this didn't happen, of course. They didn't have the motivation because Marx was actually wrong about this for the most part. So he eventually just joined the Communist Party like a lot of people did. And so Antonio Gramsci... Uh, joined the Communist Party, and he started to lay out various ideas. He can be considered, in a very real and meaningful sense, the father of cultural Marxism. And I don't mean if you look it up on Wikipedia, the, <laughs> please don't, I mean, do, check it. Wikipedia replaces intra and cultural Marxism with a cultural Marxism conspiracy theory. Uh, 
they erase the actual information about it. So you can go on new discourses on my encyclopedia translations from the Wokus. I created an es- an entry for cultural Marxism that tries to explain the the information that Wikipedia removed. I remember reading it before and saying, oh my God, there's three or four meanings to cultural Marxism. No, longer, no wonder it's so confusing. And then I go back when I decided that, well, sooner or later I have to explain this for the encyclopedia and they don't even have that entry anymore. It doesn't exist. It's been replaced with this. Oh, everybody says cultural Marxism is a conspiracy theorist. No, 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 that's not true. Both the Frankfurt School, which is the critical theorists, and Antonio Gramsci can be considered cultural Marxists. And what they were doing was applying Marxian conflict theory, Marxian historicism, Marxian ideas. Marx's general analysis and approach to uh, society with the goal of achieving communism in the end to cultural uh, institutions. But Gramsci's more relevant. We don't have to talk about the Frankfurt School or critical theory so much right now, although they are basically the same thing in most respects. Gramsci, however, as Mr. Cultural Marxism, recognized the need. He said, well, if the, 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 the problem, the reason that the West is not taking up communism or socialism on the path to it, which, by the way, he famously remarked that socialism is the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. It's good to keep that in mind. Um, that was his objective, is to create a religion out of this that would overwhelm Christianity throughout the West. Whatever you think of Christianity, you should still be alarmed by this idea, and it's almost preposterous after a statement like that from one of its most influential thinkers that we still won't allow ourselves to think of communism or socialism, Marxism, or any of these very Hegelian activist, world-changing idea uh, approaches that seek to remake the world and create a you know utopia on earth as religions, where even Gramsci said it is the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. But Gramsci had this idea that the reason Western society wasn't giving way to Marxism, at his point, the only successful communist revolution, him writing in the 1920s, would have been the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. There was a Hungarian revolution that took briefly, uh, fell apart after a few months. That was, I'm going to try to say this guy's name. I say it wrong, apparently, because it's Hungarian. Lukács is his last name. Um, so it's not, It's you would think it's some Hungarian version of, of George. Uh, I want to try to get it. So it's like the Erd. So it's like uh, Georgi, Georgi, I think. I think I might have said it right. Georgi Lukács. We'll find out when this comes out. My people can who, who called me out on the pronunciation can can correct me. Georgi Lukács. So Georgi Lukács and Gramsci collaborated. But again, we see a failed revolution, and Lukács had this idea that he wanted to explain it. Gramsci wanted to figure it out. The Frankfurt School guys uh, liaised with them and wanted to figure it out too. And Gramsci's answer was that cultural hegemony exists. The culture itself is too strong, and that what you have to do if you want to break that culture apart is you have to infiltrate the main cultural institutions. Those that he named, he named five broad categories. He named faith or religion, um, family, media, education, and law. Those have to be infiltrated. And what he said is that if you, you can't overcome a culture very easily. You have to infiltrate the main cultural institutions like religion, family, education, media, and law. And then when you get inside, you create what he called a counter hegemony. You create the path to the Marxist ideology from within, probably, guess how, in domain-specific language. So this plan to infiltrate all the institutions, which was then later called uh, by Rudi Deutschke, the long march to the institutions, was Gramsci's plan. It was how Mao, probably knowing about Gramsci, 
uh, it was how Mao was able to infiltrate the, 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 the cultural institutions of China and uproot them from within and replace them with his revolutionary ideas. And it's exactly the way that we're seeing critical theory get applied to every possible domain you can imagine. I described this in a previous podcast that I said that they do, they develop a, a, a parallel discipline. If you have nutrition studies, you develop a parallel discipline of critical nutrition studies. You start legitimizing that from within. There's your counter hegemony established inside kind of the broad umbrella. It's, if you read the critical nutrition studies book, it's really interesting because they talk about how they are not welcomed into the nutrition studies uh, umbrella, and they just kind of create this parallel discipline and force their way in slowly by legitimizing themselves. They make their own journals, they start writing their own books, they start having their own conferences, they start giving themselves their own, their own awards, they start credentialing themselves. Eventually, they might get university appointments, and sooner or later, they become influential and powerful enough where the actual nutrition people have to pay attention to them, or they start to uh, bully them for not publishing critical takes on nutrition studies until it starts to worm its way in. This is that feminism as a women's studies, I should say, as a virus paper that I've also talked about repeatedly. It's all kind of coming together. So I wanted to, again, tie this together and show you that this infiltration into the institutions with literally identical dogma written in domain-specific language, that was Gramsci's idea. That was the point of the long march through the institutions. And what he was doing was saying, we're going to create a counter-hegemony in this case, that counter-hegemony is going to be the critical study of, or critical approach to, or if it's under the banner of critical race theory, an anti-racist blah blah blah, an anti-racist pedagogy, an anti-racist medicine, an anti-racist uh, church, whatever it happens to be, an anti-racist gospel, whatever it happens to be. So this is, this is the Gramscian plan being put into action, and the point of this plan is that eventually, especially if you kind of like set off the trigger all at once, which is what we've experienced over the past couple of years, or few years, especially the last one year in particular, if you set it off all at once, now every single angle of society, you could think 360 degrees of society, it doesn't matter, are you watching sports? Critical race theory is there. Are you at work? Critical race theory is there. You go to church? Critical race theory is there. Are you uh, hanging out with your buddies at the rock climbing? Critical race theory is there. Are you at the bar? Critical race theory is there. It doesn't really matter where it is. Your hobbies, your sub, you you'd open the newspaper, critical race theory is there. You look and you say, you know what? I thought I was going to learn something about this niche academic field of, uh, of, of paleontology. Well, I just saw paleontology now grappling with its long history of racism and digging up bones, apparently. Critical race theory is there. And what does it say? Oh, the Audubon Society, it was doing something about trans. I made a joke about there being tr no trans birds or uh, trans birds are an under underrecognized problem or something. But the same thing, it's another critical theory. They've also talked about the racism and birding. We've seen that with a couple of incidents, public incidents where that kind of got into a big deal. And so everywhere you turn, the same exact message is being repeated in domain-specific terms so that it feels like it's the integral part of everything, like it's an underlying worldview that they're trying to foist upon you. So this is the idea, and this is where we are, is that these counter-hegemonies have been established in virtually everything. And the point that I really need to bring back to is that it's not a mistake that those are identical. It's partly because it's not a very creative endeavor. Critical theory is actually quite simplistic. I, I, I was remarking 
with somebody earlier today. I, I did a podcast and before we got started, I was chatting with this guy and I said, one of the more interesting things about it is when you look at it, it seems like, oh my gosh, there's just so much. There's so much to learn. It's so complicated. Queer theory, post-colonial theory, critical race theory, fat studies, disability studies, crypt theory, you know, and there's like 10 different angles on everything. And there's 55 kinds of feminism is so complicated. Oh my God. And then you realize there's actually nothing here. There's nothing to any of it. Assume that there's some uh, massively divisive problem that splits the population into oppressor and oppressed, and that that is the driving dynamic in society, and that the only way to, to, to fix it is to see it everywhere until people get sick of it, and then we'll overthrow the society. And that's what's going on, okay? That's the big picture of what's going on. Why is wokeness everywhere all the time? Every It, it is to get everybody on the same page to talk about the same idea constantly and whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're a doctor you're saying the same stuff that real medicine isn't getting done hmm, whatever it doesn't matter if you're a biologist real biology is not getting done we're going to constantly talk about critical theory stuff that's the objective so we've got a couple of elements you know that it infiltrates things that it regards the use of time or effort to discuss or do something other than theory, to serve something other than theory as an inappropriate or a, a um, morally repugnant even, you know, evil misuse of resources and time and activity. Everything is being built to serve this very simplistic oppressor versus oppressed narrative framed out in the critical theory of whatever dressed up in, you know, the various different academic and local languages of, of different affinities. You can see this, by the way, here's a good example in the church. You see this huge kind of push, I, you know, I, I, I'm, and when I say the church, I understand there are several, you know, I'm not talking about the Catholic church. Um, I have not studied it in as great of depth how critical theory is infecting the Catholic church, though it certainly is. It certainly has, I should say. Uh, but I'm much more familiar with how it's creeping into the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and though I'm outside of that convention myself, it's pretty obvious to me what's going on. You know, that domain-specific language is getting changed. So now, you know, Christians tend to be quite confessional about their sin. They tend to profess their belief in Jesus and so on. But they're really confessional about sin. Everybody's fallen, fallen world. We're all caught up in sin. This is called our complicence, and this is called depravity. Um, you can see how wokeness maps onto this with their white complicity and brown complicity and everybody's complicit in white supremacy and anti-blackness, right? It all maps very tightly onto that kind of, this is why I've said it's like, um, a kind of like offshoot of a Hegelian religion or even a Marxian religion or critical theory or whatever that's been grafted onto kind of lapsed or dead Calvinism. Well, it's lapsed, it's, it's grafted onto living Calvinism too, what you see is people coming out in a very Christian way and professing, I am a racist, you know, and then they start humbly, you know, prostrating themselves before God and asking for, for uh, forgiveness of the sin. But what happens is that the sins of systemic oppression become the only relevant sins that we're talking about. And anybody, anytime anybody's talking about some other sin, it's going to get recast through the frame of oppressive power dynamics. And then eventually uh, Christianity becomes indistinguishable from once it's become critical it becomes indistinguishable from, say, medicine, or from biology, or from rock climbing, because they're all saying exactly the same thing. Oh, well, we have to acknowledge our racism and how and how we invite people into our community to climb rocks. What kind of cultural aspects in rock climbing 
have perpetuated racism. You know, it's a very racist organization. I confess to my racism and how I've brought this into the community of rock climbing. It's the exact same model. Uh, the Christian aspect just makes it extremely overtly religious, whereas when it's with rock climbing, it seems a little weird and out of place. The exact same model over and over and over again. So Gramsci, again, wanted to infiltrate all of the cultural institutions. He didn't talk about hobby groups and affinities and every scholastic endeavor that you could imagine. He wanted religion. He got it. He wanted family. You see the attempted deconstruction of the family for sure, the destruction of the family. There was even just a article, I think it was an older article, but shared by The Atlantic again just recently on Twitter. In the last couple of days, they shared again an article you know, talking about how we need to rethink and completely basically take apart. He says that the idea of the family that we've held for the past however many decades is the wrong view of the family. We need to take apart and rethink the family. Okay, you're Gramscian. I got you. You've infiltrated the idea of the family. You want to set up a counter-hegemonic way to think about the family. Guess what it's going to look like? Critical family theory is going to look exactly like every other critical theory with domain-specific jargon changed around. That's it. That's what it's going to be. So how, they're all identical. You know, Gramsci talked about media. Certainly the media has been some completely done. What we call their media studies or film studies is already a critical theory of media. Uh, journalism has basically become a practice of professing critical theory uh, in outlets that used to do reporting and news like CNN and the New York Times. It's just professing critical theory. It's just making the same kinds of statements over and over and over again, serving the same, the stories they choose, the way they frame them, the way they tell them are all designed to serve something identical. Theory, critical theory, always everything serving theory. And so it's all the same recycled garbage. It's, it's so easy to write a critical thing. You can just literally take any existing critical thing, take out the, the buzzwords, put in different buzzwords, clean up the edges, tell a slightly different story. Boom, you got it put out another article, Critical Theory of Everything. Ed education has been completely taken over. That was number four on Gramsci's list. Um, critical pedagogy is the name of that. Guess what critical pedagogy looks like? If you guessed the same as anti-racist medicine, correct. If you, <laughs> if you guessed that it's identical except in the particulars to critical uh, religion, correct. It's all the same. It's all the same. And then law is the last one, which is kind of scary. Well, critical race theory is born in law. It was born out of something called critical legal studies. So this intrusion into, into all of these cultural institutions with the intention of creating a counter-hegemonic -hege narrative, a something that you're going to now insert within in that domain-specific language that tells some different story that enforces some different social norm and that does it more or less identically in all of the different domains is how you break down a culture and replace it with a new culture. And the crazy part is, is that what we had, this sprawling sort of broadly liberal culture, you know, different religions were very different. Different domains of thought are very different. Different hobbies and affinity groups are very different. Different businesses are very different. Everything's very different. Everything's got its own its own flavor, its own feel, its own approach, its own goals, its own objectives. But in critical theory, it gets brought down to such a simplistic thing. One very simplistic thing. One very unproductive simplistic thing that has to be done again and 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 again until society collapses. And then, of course, then we have our glorious 
revolution that was the point of the whole thing. Then we, when we finally have a broken and destroyed society, we finally are liberated from the systems of oppression that our functioning society is foisting on people. You know, like differences of outcomes, you know, like, uh, you know, the consumer capitalism, like being able to buy things that you want or need, you know, being able to uh, achieve a, a standard of living to where you can have the leisure to do things like think about useless shit like critical theory. Um, all of those things start to fall apart at that point because theory is not productive. In fact, it's productive of nothing. It doesn't even have any obligation and doesn't even attempt to understand it, the things that it's criticizing. It just, and the words of Marx, it just criticizes everything ruthlessly. So I want to give that, tie this one up here, or just drop it, you know, because I don't want to belabor the point now that we're getting to, the, to that place. But I want to tie together and sh- say that this is really the goal, at least in the short term, the proximate goal of the woke is to make every single possible cultural institution, including workplaces, churches, schools, media, law, courts, um, legislators, uh, you know, you know, you name it, professionals in every possible field, members of every possible affinity from bird watching with the Audubon Society to, uh, you know, rock climbers. I've mentioned many times to Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if it was an April Fool's joke, but I got reached out to by the furry community. Apparently it's even in the furries, you know, laugh about that all you want, but everything has to be twisted to serve theory and that's way beyond even a religion some new religion that's been foisted upon the world this is actually something fully totalizing that is the hallmark of totalitarianism and that is the objective of the woke is to make everybody think and talk and in fact compelled profession of faith in the same thing everywhere they go in the world it's to make everything the same one thing which is wokeness. 